What's up, everybody? We are here with Talia. This is Bridge the Gap. My name is Holden Stefan Roy, and this is the show where we talk to interesting people such as yourself, and we learn about your life, extracting some knowledge nuggets along the way, and it just kind of flows into whatever it flows into as we do the experience. And it's super great to have you here. Honestly, you're one of those people I wanted to like book actually a long time ago. And then, foolish me, everyone, just so you know, I hit I sent her a message on December 24th. Which is not a good day to send a message. Is what that I was my fault. I'm gonna take full responsibility for that. I opened the message. It was like Christmas time. There was like holiday party. I sent it. It was the same. I might have forgot to answer him. I forgot to follow up. You know, it's it was all it was all bad. It was the new located. I'm like, oh, say where? December 24th. I learned a lesson in that moment. You know, pick a better date that's not a holiday <laughs> to reach out to someone. But yeah, almost felt bad about it but then when we reviewed the date i was like nah i got a free pass totally um but with that it's cool to have you here now a whole lot of times passed i think i'm better at this at least (laughs) um but to start this off right uh i have a big old opening question i like to do but before we do the opening question can you just like briefly introduce yourself but most importantly you need to tell us where you start your life where I start my life? Yeah. Like on a daily basis, like how I wake up in the morning. Nah, like like a geographical location of the past. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I'll start in Montreal, born and raised. Unfortunately, I wish I wasn't born here, but <laughs> you don't you don't pick these things, right? They- you do not. Uh, so my name's Talia. I'm a singer, songwriter, rapper, producer, dancer. Uh, I wear a lot of hats. Um, and I also co-host a podcast called The Hustle Podcast. So if you want to watch us interview some cool people like Cold Stephen Roy, yeah. <laughs> you can catch on there. That's dope. I appreciate that you plugging that too. But now we're going to get into it for real, real. The opening question's a little bit of a story. And when it lands, you can answer it. However, and it all kind of starts with my girlfriend and she's washing the dishes one time. And she's got her phone out, and she's playing that Black Eyed Peas song that I got a feeling. Ooh, she's like vibing, and she like dancing, and she like doing her thing. And I look at her, and I'm like, "What the fuck did this song become chores music, right? Because like, if you really like think about this track, for us at least, it's like this chores environment today. But run it back ten years, where I like little, it's the club banger of the era. It was like the highlight song. It was the biggest shit in the world." And then, like, 10 years goes by on life, and the song kind of relegates itself into chores music because we all grew up and whatnot, which got me thinking a lot about life and the history of evolutions of things and, like, how all the shit you go out and party to, that shit's going to be your future chores music if it's not already your chores music. But the most important part is that when we hear it, we start doing dishes to it, like, immediately because that's all we hear it as. That's just kind of how it goes with life. And why I bring that up is because, like, a musical experience is absolutely something that changes and evolves over time. And when you really listen to a lot of the interviews and you watch a lot of people talk about their, their journey as a musician, they all started at like the same damn place, uh, this adolescent phase. Like, ah, oh, I discovered rap when I was 12 years old and I saw this or I started writing my things like this and that. And I'm like, 
yeah, those are all important parts of the story, but they're definitely not the start of anyone's musical journey. And I promise you that because you could probably run it back to the hospital you was born in and you came out as a little baby and somewhere in the room was a song being played and that song was already being absorbed by you because it goes back. That you know, I've had people tell me about like prenatal music experiences, no fucking lie. Um, so with that, like, I, I can remember being like five. My dad's got these gray boxes, like the fucking amplifier, the tape deck, the radios, all of that shit. The wires going out to the speakers and whatnot. I'd be busting like Led Zeppelin tapes and shit in the daytimes. At the night times, it was MC Mario Club mixed straight from the clubs and all that in the middle of the night. My mom's be more on that discos and musicals and love music and Star 92.9s and shit like that. And it's just all these different vibes that kind of created my whole experience long before I had any control over what I was even allowed to listen to. It was just stuff that played around me that I remembered. So I was hoping you could run us back to the youngest Talia you can remember being in wherever you was at in Montreal and kind of what it sounded like to be you with the technologies and experience. And keep in mind that for a lot of us, you mad young. And what you grew up with was wildly different than what we grew up with. Yeah. And we would love to hear more about that. <clears throat> I mean, like, my journey really started, like, from as young as I could remember, like my dad was a DJ, my mom loved to sing, my grandfather like plays the guitar, my brother now plays the guitar. So we're very musically influenced in my family. So I was kind of born with it, I would say. Um, it would start off with my mom playing Shania Twain in the car, you know, uh, we're just jamming out with my brother in the back seat. Uh, then it turned into like, oh my God, who's Hilary Duff? I love Hilary Duff. And then I had like a huge infatuation with her when I was really, really young. Um, well, were you watching all the Disney shows and shit? Oh, like, hell yeah. Say a word. Yeah. I was also watching like Cartoon Network and everything. Like I was watching Dexter. I was watching Johnny Bravo. I was watching like, <laughs> I, I also have an older brother, right? So I would watch what he would watch too. So, um, but yeah, it really started around there. Like my parents just were always musically inclined and it just came down to me, you know? So my dad would DJ a lot when he was my age. He was very known around Montreal as a DJ. Um, so, what's your dad's yeah. DJ name? I don't even fucking know. Like, am I allowed to swear? Yeah, of course, <laughs> uh, of course, you can swear I don't even all you want. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I guess it was just DJ Tony. <laughs> I don't know. That's amazing. So when you start off and you little, you got already Hillary Duff rocking it, giving you that person a copy. You got your mom's giving you the Shania, which that was a vibe. That was a really big vibe for a minute. Um, and you were already singing and whatnot from like a young age is what I'm taking mm -hmm. from that. Were you also like dancing and choreographing and doing a bunch of stuff? Um. Well, when I was young, my my doctor pretty much told my mom like yo your kids are like hyperactive like they don't they don't stop like you should put them on medication and like god bless my mom for not doing that to us because i feel like it could have impacted my creativity today but uh i was always hyperactive i was always moving i was always dancing i was always making up songs that don't even make sense like i'd be making toast and be like gonna put toast with the butter and it didn't make sense but i was freestyling as a child so it was just uh, just how I am. I was just born like that. That's wildly cool. I mean, the fact that I guess you had the huge influence, and I guess your parents would be encouraging you too, right? They ain't going to be sitting there going, that's why I stopped singing or whatever. No, my parents are very supportive. They put me in, like, 
competitions, uh, like a singing competition, a dancing competition, which actually came second place all across Canada. So wait, three... hold on, what competition is that? Oh my God, what was it called? I don't remember. I was like 14 and I, I don't remember what I had for supper yesterday. So I think it was called Showbiz Mondial or Showbiz Montreal. I don't remember exactly what it was, but if you, do you know Adamo Simeone? No. No? You don't know Adamo? Wait, yes, I do. Okay, you said yeah, the name. Yeah. Okay, I know the name from reading it. I don't think anyone said the name correctly. Because you Adamo said it. You said it with the Italianness of it all, like with the right emphasis is and i would never have said i would have been like adam adamo simeon or something like that and like adamo. Uh, well he's a singer from montreal if you right. don't know he works the uh, king's court productions right and uh, he was actually in one of the competitions that i was in he won the singing contest he came in second place actually and that's how i met him so it's crazy to think that like this contest or this competition we did when we were younger in the future, we like ended up linking up, making music together, and like knowing all the same people. It's crazy how like small the world is. Especially if you're English in Montrealish lands, that is a very yeah. small world. So that's okay. So if I understand correctly, you're running through the young phases of your life. You basically got the musical family. You kind of already freestyling since time because you're just into it. You got all kinds of people to emulate on tv yo it must have been wild with that hillary duff era to be young because that was some heavily promoted shit <laughs> i was infatuated with lizzie mcguire hillary duff it was actually like the first concert i ever went to my parents bought me hillary duff dolls they bought me posters like i think i even had like a pillow like i was obsessed because as a little girl when your imagination's running wild and you're seeing someone do what you love to do you're like wow like I want to be that. Like, that's what I want to do. So, started young. So, you've always known you wanted to be, like, in music like this, then? Yeah, always. So, like, at what point did you, like, start to, like, take it a little more seriously? Or was it just you always took it seriously? Um. So, uh, my first song was written when I was 14. And I didn't have any, like, knowledge on, like, going to a studio recording or hearing myself or I would just like film off my laptop here and there. Um, but when I was 16, I had posted something on Facebook and someone had hit me up and said, yo, you want to come record at my studio? And I was like, shit, like I've never been to a studio, but this is exciting. Like I'm down. So I went to the studio and um, we recorded a track. It was like a remix to Colt 45, I believe. And, we had posted it because they were doing, it was Bless Rec mu Music. I don't know if you know of them or heard of them, um, but they were like an independent label and they were releasing a song every Monday and they were calling it Bless Monday. Okay. So I came there to record that song. They posted it out and then they said, yo, keep coming back. And then all throughout the whole year, we were just releasing songs every Monday, every Monday, every Monday. And this is like, an independent label with an independent artist working together, but nothing was signed. There was no contract. It was just, just buds making music, I would say. Um, so hold up. You're, you're 16 and you're going and making weekly tracks with a bunch of folk. That's a flex. Yeah, yeah it was a huge flex. It was a perfect timing too. Cause it was like at a time where I was doing a lot of bad shit. Like I was 
really heading down the wrong path and it was like this came in time for me to like shape myself back into perspective and like take control of my life and do something right or proper that makes me feel good right um so we started making music all the time and then when i when i just turned 18 they wanted to sign me and I didn't like the terms to their contract. I didn't like what they were trying to tell me to do. They were like, because I had full independent rights to do what I want. So I could uh, write my own music. Everything was on me. They were trying to tell me like, you have to write about this and you have to look like this. And you and I was like young, naive, and still like very headstrong of who I am as an artist. So I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna sign with you. So then I took a two year break. Huh, huh. So you were you? Cause how, how many songs did you release with them? Like that's a lot. Like that's a that's a two year phase of life. Uh, we released quite a bit of music. Honestly, I I can't even I don't even recall to be honest with you. But there was a lot, and there was a lot of unreleased as well. And is this still out there? So no, it's not actually. Um, so at the time. There wasn't Spotify and none of that. So what we were doing is we were just uploading our music to a YouTube channel. So every Monday we would upload a new track. And then when they decided to rebrand and become a different entity, they like put the whole channel on private. And like, there's literally no way for me to go back and listen to the music unless I found it in like a, a, a message from Facebook, like, from years, years back, and it was like a link he sent me that I could still play off Facebook, but I can't even download it, nothing. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, that's a powerful, yeah. like, lesson, too, in terms of, like, making sure you have access to your own music, or at least steal your own music so you have an archive of it or something. Yeah, but you know what? Honestly, like, I don't think they were ever going to do anything with it, and... I've grown so much and I've changed my music style and technique so much from then that even just my voice alone, like sounded so young. Whereas like when I hear it now, I'm like, Oh my God, this was out. Like this was released and it wasn't terrible. It's just, you know, artists were hard on ourselves. Right. And I'm like, no, nah, I don't sound mature. I don't sound like me now. So I'm kind of glad it's gone. And it's like, no one could hear it anymore. No, I appreciate that. On the other side of it is people love hearing that shit. Yeah. Like, as a non-you, I'm like, yo, I straight up, I want to hear 16-year-old Talia's shit. <laughs> it just sounds like fun to, like, well, from my perspective. <clears throat> what I've done, because now I'm with a new producer. His name's 808 Vibes. Shout out 808 Vibes if you're watching. Um, but he basically remakes a lot of the beats that I bring to him. So if I start writing something on YouTube from a YouTube beat, we'll go to the studio, he'll remake the beat so it sounds completely different and it's our own, you know? It's not just taken off YouTube. Um, and when I met him for the first time, I told him, like, I have this goal where I want to take old songs of mine and remake them, recreate them. So songs like New Chick, that's an old song. Um, I have one that I'm working on now. It's called... Um, crazy it's an old song and actually new beginnings it's out as well that's an old song from when i was working with them okay and like revamped it and put it back out how did you meet 808 beats i'm pretty or sorry i don't know if i said that right 808 vibes 808 vibes that's what it is 
Um, you... So I was friends with uh, another artist from the city and he went to the studio one day and he's like, yo, come, come with me. So like, I bet say less, you know, I'm always down to go to the studio. And we went there and like, we all hit it off and been working with him ever since. That's super cool. I'm pretty sure that's the dude. It's working with Deuce God in them. Which yeah, like, yeah. And I'm like, I fucks with what he does. So I'm like, that. that's a cool name to drop. I'm like, that's fucking dope. Um, <laughs> so, you, so if I understand that, right, so you were going through the situation with these first people. Were you like performing and stuff when you were doing that like uh, earlier phase, your teenage rapping, singing phase? Yeah, so actually when I was working with Blessed Rec, like they had gotten this contact to open up for artists. Um, some gigs I wasn't able to go to because I was under age, but then there were some gigs that like completely like changed my life. So not changed my life, like I'm still doing what I'm doing today. But um, I mean, like in that time when I was so young to get to say I was doing what I was doing changed my life. Uh, so we had gotten the chance to open up for Rich Homie Kwan. Okay. Um, so when I was seven, I was still seventeen at the time, and I remember we were trying to sell tickets for this show because that's that's how it is, bro. You want to perform, you have to sell tickets. It's fucking bullshit, but it is what it is. Uh, so that's facts. And I was still in high school, so I'm like telling these kids on my school, like, "Yo, I'm opening up for Rich Homie Kwan. Like, buy some tickets off me." And they're all talking shit. They're like, nah, you're not doing that. You're lying. You're just trying to take our money, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, why would I want to take your money? Like, I just, I'm trying to open up for a gig. Can you just fucking buy the tickets off me? So they didn't even end up buying the tickets off me. They bought them, like, independently on their own. And I remember the day of the show, there were these three kids that were talking mad shit, saying, like, oh, she's such a liar, such a liar. And at school, they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to see you tonight, huh? We're going to see you tonight. And I was like, yeah, you will. So I remember I got on stage and they were literally like in the front row of the stage. So I went right up to them and I tapped all of them on the head and their face were like, like completely like thrown off guard that I was there. That's amazing. And I was lying. <laughs> yeah, that's still a crazy experience. Like to be honestly, to be in high school and to open up for rapper people are heard of is pretty wild. Yeah. And Thing about high school though is like no one wants to believe anything like they just think everyone's talking shit so. i i definitely would be surprised if anyone from my high school was walking around talking about how they opened the rappers but wildly like in retrospect maybe it's like more plausible than i would have thought and you know like how it all works but still it's like yeah i could be i could see how people might be like you a little bit and then you do were there and i guess you killed it given the way you're telling this story yeah it was it was uh, fuck i don't even remember but i remember it just being a vibe like <laughs> it was crazy it was scary obviously because it was a huge crowd but i was on stage with like other artists too so it wasn't so bad i got to perform a solo track that was fun but i don't i don't really remember much of it and then I guess did you get to open up for anyone else that's dope? Um I feel like I did, but like I drawing blanks right now. Because there was a lot of shows that were being hosted at the Belmont and I couldn't get in. But if I was of age, I would have been opening up for artists. I I'm I'm trying to think maybe um Kasky, could it be? Or Cassidy, someone like that, like 
don't remember. But it was a long time ago, so I can't tell you. I don't recall. Nah, no worries at all. I mean, it's it's just like not many of us were like teenagers connected to labels doing that stuff. So I guess it's just your experiences and it's nifty to hear about them. Yeah, they got lucky with that connect because I know like even over time now, they still do shows like Oshiaga and they do shows like, uh, what's the other one? There's Osh- Mural Fest. So like they still have that connect. And I, I like I see what they're up to, you know, today. They're doing very well for themselves. Um, but that's a lucky connect to have. Those are hard to find. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> I just, that is one thing I've learned uh, over the last couple of years is connects are not they're well-guarded secrets mm-hmm. and they don't like to talk. No, nope. no one wants to see you do better than them. Um, that, yeah, I don't know. That's a real, it says it's more real than I want to admit. Like I would love to be like, no, that's not a thing, but then it's not even just, okay. It's not even a Montreal thing, right? It's like, uh, pretty oh, okay. much the whole world thing. It's wildly yeah. weird that no matter no matter what independent scene I've talked to people in, they kind of end up back at that same point. And it's like, how do you fix it? <laughs> like, that's where I'm at. I'm like, okay, what do we do about it? Everybody there, but what do we do about it? <clears throat> I don't really think there's anything we could do about it. I think it's like a dog eats dog world. So it's like, you're, you're, there's no resolution to it. It's just. It's what you got to do and run it. Get played or be played. Oh, I know. Get played or be played. Play or be played. I don't know. I get what you're trying to say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. um, I don't know. I feel like technology changed the game and the little... Your your whole age group be doing some wildly different shit, which is going to fuck up some gatekeepers of the past when a lot of the old... Because you guys don't party like we do. So, like... Yo, I hear people talk bars and shit, and I'm like, who goes to bars? Like, I thought they were all dying and shit. Like, I'm not really a bar attender, so I'm not the best person for the nightlife. But, like, if I was trying to throw a show now, I feel like y'all do Airbnbs and cool shit way more than not. (laughs) Like, that's what I hear. I've been to, like, rooftop parties, hotel parties, Airbnb parties, bars. Been to clubs once or twice. But, like, most of the times it's at bars. We do it at... They have like little stages for people to perform, but it's always like a hole in the wall. It's never like anything crazy. So like, oh, you're talking about my generation. You know, we're not getting a high end gigs either. Nah, I mean like, so I'm, I'm fascinated by like the habits of the partier more so than the perform. I feel like the whole performing scene is what it is. But like when I talk to people about what they do for fun, so few people like want to be there unless they have a reason to be there is my experience with it. Not so much That's like hard. the artists, the artists are doing bars cause the venues, it's like the, it's like the world. It's like, you have no choice except for maybe mm-hmm. we do have choices that we don't know about, but like, it feels like there's no choice. And so then I started thinking like, why is there no 20 year olds at any of these bars I'm ever at like ever i was an epiphany i had and so i asked young people and they said the rich people like clubs and the young people like house parties and i'm like that's fucking wild or like i was like i don't know what to do with that i broke my whole fucking understanding of how to like deal with music moving forward it does make sense though so i mean for you for me it's like everybody went to bars because there used to be 20 dollar pitchers and they were fucking awesome and now there's no 20 dollar pitchers so who like, I mean, like, I still, well, I can't go to bars anymore, but I, I still went to bars, like, a good portion of the time, so. 
I don't know. I mean, not everybody's depends, different. Like, depends the click, the crowd, who's going, you know? Like, there's different types of, like, people my age. There's the hipsters. There's the gods. There's the, you know, the people like me where we're, like, up in the air. Like, we don't know what we're what we categorize as. But there's different, like, genre of groups, if you understand. Like, groups of people. So, some might like a bar. Some might like an after hours. Some might like the clubs. Really just, it's... It's all over the place. It's like that, I guess, with every generation, honestly. That's fair. But, yo, was, I would argue that, like, you basically was going to bars for a minute for shows for a long time. And now it feels mm -hmm. like that. I don't know. It doesn't feel as viable to me. There has to be, like, an alternative to bars because I don't think it's going to keep working the way it's been working. I mean, like, with everything going on in the world, like, I don't think many people are going to be going anywhere for a while. Yo, people like parks like you wouldn't believe. Everybody's in every fucking park all over. Like, parks is the hottest shit in the world right now is my experience. Not in the winter, yeah. but, like... Perform live in parks and shit. That's where I like the festivals, at least in NDG, ended up happening. A lot of shit goes down like that, but... um, Fair enough. Uh, so, yeah, you took this break from music for a couple of years, right? Um, yeah. After that situation with the label, I guess you didn't get signed. And then what made you decide to take a break? Um, so basically what had happened is like, I fell into a relationship with someone and he was like completely like against the idea of me making music. And it's like, looking back at it now, it's really stupid that I even let someone like take control of my life like that. But I was young, naive and like in love. Um, so for like the whole two years that I was with him, I was like very miserable. I felt like I was, missing a part of me you know like if i would sing in the car he'd like blast the music not to hear me or like he would really like put it down you know he did not want to hear nothing about it and uh when we broke up like the first thing that hit me was like yo get your ass in a studio like let's go get back on your shit because if i because like we would break up here and there within the two years but like i would always be like my mindset's back on him back on him and then one day just like i snapped out of it and i was like no like focus on your music, focus on you. Like, why are you going to put what you love to do to waste or put it on the back burner for someone? So then I just like got into it hardcore and it's been about like three years since and I'm loving it. I'm meeting so many people and I'm making so much music and I'm hosting a fucking podcast now. So it's, it's dope. It was really a, a, a useless two years, a waste, but you know, not everything's a waste. You, you learn from it, you grow from it and you get better from it. That's true. Um, so when you get back into it, like, how do you actually, you know, do you already have studios and shit lined up now that you're on your own with it? Uh, so honestly, it was so fucking hard to get back into it. I didn't know where to start. Like, I felt like a fish out of water trying to get back in and like not know what to do. Um, so first step was I hit up an old producer I knew through them and he was like down to take me in. So I went and recorded uh writing uh writing solo and alone time and i was like the first step is put music out i didn't know how distro kid work i didn't know anything spotify i'm how to get my music out so he had like really helped me like explaining how the process of like putting out the music you get a U upc code for your music and all this crap and i was like oh my god thank god so i started putting out music and then as I started promoting myself on Instagram, I had hit up a graphic designer. I'm like, yo, make me a banner or 
come to a photo shoot. So that's what we would do. So we did a photo shoot, um, cheap music video in a parking garage. Till this day, it's still on YouTube. I thought it was fucking hilarious. It was really stupid, but it's still there. Honestly, it's um, a good video. You've seen Alone Time? I mean, I, I was watching it just before. And I like, because, I mean, you had like a bunch of shit on your YouTube. So I'm like, let's watch it. And, um, stupid video. It cost me like 150 bucks. I like hit up the guy. I was like, yo, like, can we shoot a video tomorrow? He's like, yeah, where are we going to do it? I'm like, I don't fucking know. He's like, I know a parking garage. It's like, cool. And I just grabbed a bunch of random shit. I brought my big Yoda. I brought a fucking inflatable fucking unicorn. None of it made sense. The aesthetic is like, it's hard to understand, but it was just so funny that I was like, fuck it, I'm putting it out just the same. I thought it was a cool video. It was better than all the Airbnb car videos. Yeah, it was. <laughs> like, it showed personality <laughs> on Ultimate. I guess if it's like, you know, like, that's the most important part, I think, is it, it like, that felt very you. Like, the, all of your outfit choices, it just felt like, oh, that's what Tally is like. So you accomplished like, that goal they, pretty fucking well. Till this day, like, that video is so fucking stupid. But, like, I was genuinely having the time of my life when I recorded that video. And, like, the energy that comes, that radiates off that video when I watch it, it's, like, <clears throat> it was, it's just, like, a, a throwback of the good time I had filming it. So, yeah, it's a little stupid. My personality does shine in it, but I just, I hate but love the video it's like a bittersweet end result yeah i love the fact that you just pulled it off of what you had and just did it that's amazing i mean like i didn't know where to start with my music and i was just like i'm on my own what do i do i need a music video right i never had a music that was my first ever music video so i was like let's shoot a music video i don't know anything about backstories or concepts or like mood boards so i was like fuck it let's put it all together and from there i've never there. in my life fucking done a mood board a mood board i don't even yeah. know exactly what that is i'm gonna have to actually google that shit later <laughs> a mood board is basically like you just put a bunch of pictures of like a vibe or concept you want to like come together so like i had made a mood board for like my song harley quinn where i put like a a black dress and like a a medieval mansion or like you you said a tone for what you want to be delivered in the video. So when you give this to like a DOP, they know what to look out for. Yo, what is a DOP? A director of photography. So basically they like set up the video and like get everything together. Yeah, that's fair. I've never gone down the path of doing music videos in the way you're supposed to do music videos. Cause I was like, I got a cell phone. Let's run it. Yeah. <laughs> trust they're not amazing music videos but yo that's nifty so you got to create a mood board to give to a director of photography if you want your shit to look nice you don't have to but like it helps <laughs> and it depends like the company right so if it's some you're like one of your cousins who films videos you're not going to make a full mood board and like be like hey this is what I want. What you're going to do is be like, yo, we're meeting up here at the Airbnb with like 15 dudes in the parking garage and we're going to shoot a video. So like, that's where you see the, the difference between someone who's just putting something out to put something out and someone who's putting a lot of thought and creativity behind it. 
Nah, I hear you. I didn't. But even then, it's like you're saying then that if you're going to work with really dealio types, a mood board is like a thing they're going to ask you for that you need to know what it is. The way like concert people be like, send me a press kit, motherfucker. And you'd be like, what's a press kit? And you'd be like, okay, say word. I don't know. And then you like have to run through and reverse engineer all these things you're like supposed to have on deck when you deal with the big league people. Yeah, exactly. Like they want to have an idea of what's what's going on in your head. Like, what do you envision? What are you thinking? Because, you know, saying it and showing it is two different things. Right. So I could be like, yeah, I want a black dress. OK, do you want a tight black dress? Do you want a puffy black dress? What do you want? Show me, make a mood board. And then from there, it's make, it makes everyone's job easier because everyone has a clear understanding of how you want it to go. Say a word. That's super big time useful. I don't think a lot of people I talk to try as hard as music videos as you do. But to be fair, you had like all kinds of like real music video shit going on with your music videos. At least the one of them with the cake and the shit. I was like, that is like oh a fucking God, like... Honestly, it's one of the biggest production music videos, at least from effect, I think I've seen from people I've met locally. Really? Oh my god, if I could tell you the story behind that video. You absolutely can. <laughs> so, my boy that works with Astrid Collective, shout out DJ, he's a videographer, and he was like, I want to shoot you a music video, we need to get something done, this is my price. I'm like, yo, this is fucking cheap. I'm like, where the fuck, I, I don't have time to like set up a location to film at, I don't, I don't have the budget for it either. So I was like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to sit and we're going to think this out. So I sat alone in my room for like two weeks. Well, not like two weeks straight there, but like I, I, I sat and thought on it for two weeks. And I was like, what does this song tell me? What does this song tell me? And I'm listening to the lyrics and I'm like trying to Copperfield, David, David Copperfield, something like that. And I was like, yo, magic, magic. Where can you find magic? At a circus. I'm like, okay, so now how am I going to build a circus? Where am I going to get a tent? I was like, okay. So I went to the dollar store and I picked up red tablecloths and white tablecloths. You know, the, the plastic ones. Holy shit. This is helpful. Keep going. Bro, I like literally picked them up. I cut them into strips and I like emptied out my bedroom and I pinned them to the wall with little fucking, uh, what are they called? The little pins, uh, thumbtacks. I pinned them to my wall with thumbtacks. I put uh, a coat hanger and stuck it to my ceiling and then hooked all the pieces of the tent to my coat hanger. And I turned my room into a circus. That's in your room. And it was in my, my apartment. The whole video was shot in my apartment. I was like, I don't have budget to like go to a, t to a circus. I don't have the budget to like rent out a studio. I'm like, but I do have my own place. I have space. So I, I bought all the props. I bought all, I set up everything got the costumes, organized it, got the cake sponsored. Both cakes were sponsored to me because I, like, hit someone up and said, yo, this is going to be a sick production. I, like, literally, like, just fucking went in, went in, directed the whole thing, set up the whole thing, and then just told my boy, like, yo, show up at this time, everything's ready. And that's literally what happened. And we just filmed the whole thing in my apartment. Yeah, say word. Honestly... I'm going to use this as an example in the future of like a story where people who may not feel they can achieve things can probably do a lot more than they think they can. Cause holy shit, 
Yeah. I know it's going to sound wild, but I never thought of buying Dollarama props to convert my apartment into a set before. I find the older I get, the fucking bougier I get in the worst possible ways, and it's super hard to think like that. That's like, wild. In total, that whole video with like costumes, props, and the camera guy cost me five hundred dollars. And that's a wickedly really cool looking video, all things considered. Like it looks like some fucking pop star shit that's like actually got label back. I thought a label was behind that. No fucking lie. It was all this Well, I mean it was quick it was a lot of thought behind it. Like I was stressing so hard, what can I do for this video? And like I just kept listening to the song and repeat so much I almost threw up. But like I finally had a concept in my mind. I was dead set on making it work and it came together and people to this day, they're always like, yo, that video's crazy. And I'm like, yeah, I did that. <laughs> yeah, but you did that and you spent no money as wild. I, I spent money, well, but like I didn't spend relative money for like uh, the, the way that video looks. It looks like you spent five racks, you know, like, yeah. like just to get the studio space and shit, you know, like it doesn't, it looks like the Hustle Podcast studio space was used to fucking film the video more than not. No, it's like one of those my- locations. So it's wild to me. And what helped too is like when the videographer came, I had told him like what I want the scenes to look like. So I was like, we're starting off here. You're going to pan from me to the cake. And then we're going to do like a little this. And like I directed the whole thing from top to bottom and like, he was so cool to work with too because he was like giving his input and i love it when people give input like don't be quiet around me like tell me what the fuck's going on in your head and we would just we like everything just blended well together and i recall like a week after we filmed he's like yo come we're gonna edit the video and like i just watched the first bounce of it and i was like yo this is fucking crazy like what the fuck and i was very proud of that i'm still proud of that <laughs> nah it's really a cool video and all of it it's also a good story you know not not everything in life turns into a good story after two yeah Um, that's the life of an independent artist right like you have to really like think outside the box you can't have people think for you because you don't have anyone behind you to help you think right so sometimes just secluding yourself for two in your own head that that magic moment will come up and you write it down and you set it all up Honestly, I talk to a lot of independent artists. There's a lot of varying degrees of autonomy in this. <laughs> so I'm uh, I'm duly impressed that you pulled that off the way you did. Everything about that is remarkable. That is a remarkably cool, like, you. Sh- that's like a blog article that would go viral yeah. because of how, like, ridiculous. And I'm not being hyperbolic on that, sh- the sentiment of it. Like, how to make a bless-ass video on $500 with Talia. Like, you know, like... That's some real, like, not as common as you'd think shit. It's like that some 41 video they made with action figures that cost them no money. It was, like, fucking a huge deal because they didn't spend money. Um, yeah. And it's not, like, some cheap shit. Like, I mean, in the sense of, like, the look and feel. Like, it, it's got outfits and all kinds of shit going on. Yeah, like, the, the costumes were really cheap, too. Like, they looked, like... I had to like find a way to make my clothes work with the costume and then I had to go to like Village de Valar to buy the Gaia shirt and like I really like wanted to pinch my pennies. I like it worked out, it was fun, but 
for other artists that might be watching this, like, if you want to do something and you're dead set on doing it, like, where there's a will, there's a fucking way. Like, 100% where there's a will, there's a way. Just fucking think about it. Use your resources, arts and crafts. You're a creative person. Like, make shit happen for you. You can't sit back and let shit happen and wait for it to happen. You have to do it. So, fucking do it. Nah, that's the truth of it. We are also, like, super fucking active on social media, or at least the talk. You're, like, one of those people that did not run away from TikTok is what I've seen. I'm trying. You know, our platforms are a tool, right? They're a resource. So it's, like, you have to stay relevant. You have to stay in the limelight. People need to hear what you're up to. People need to know what's there. People are nosy, right? People just want to know what everyone else is up to. And, like, if you're the type of artist that, like, posts once in a blue moon, like, they don't care. Like, they'll look at it, but, like, they won't up with it or they won't talk to their friends about it. They won't be like, hey, did you see Gabby posted something? Um, why did I say Gabby? <laughs> Whatever. Did you see they posted something and this is what happened? And you're like, okay, yeah, cool. And then that's it. But then if you are constant with it and you're constantly, like, posting on the daily, people would be like, oh, did you hear Talia was saying this? And this is what happened. Yeah, but I don't think she meant it like that. Yeah, I think she meant it like that. Let's watch her other videos to go see what she was talking about. Like, and every day you're you're, you're resurfacing. So you're someone that you're going to be continuously spoken about. Whether it's good or bad, it's publicity. So you want to give people something to keep up with and look at. And it helps because I'm a lonely person. So I like talking to my phone. No, that makes sense. But still, like, it's a... Uh, you, you speak out on a lot of things. Like, you definitely take on the influencer role a lot more seriously than a lot of other people do. I only say that because you, you showed up on my fucking socials a while ago, and I'm like, she's really good at this. And um, so I started watching it, and then you would go live, and then you'd rant about this and that, and take stances, and post dance videos, and lip-syncing your... I didn't know you could lip... I know it's another dumb shit. I didn't think about lip-syncing to my own shit until I saw you do it, and I'm like... Oh wow! Say word. That's a, honestly. Then, when I started doing that, I was like, "Yo, is this like a little corny? Like, should I not do this?" And I was like, "You know what? Fuck it! Like, they have to hear me somehow, and just put an, a visual with it." And then I would just use my phone, record myself next to a microphone, playing my own song, and then use a video editing app to put the song over it and blend it and mash it up pro properly, so the vocals like match the voice, uh, the lips, and yeah, then it's just an idea right you have to do something to stand out if you're just posting a picture here or a video there like whatever but if you're constant with it keep doing it it gets recognition yeah it definitely has people remember it more what are some of the things you think have worked the best for you um truthfully tiktok tiktok is like a hit or miss i can have some videos with like 2k views or like 32k views or like 100k views it's really hit or miss so tiktok does play a big role um i know one thing that really worked for me for a while is i was posting every day on my grid on instagram so using the proper hashtags and just posting every day i was getting like it started off with like one follower a day then after a week it'd be like oh three followers a day and then after two weeks it'd be like five followers a day 
So like the algorithm picks up on you being constant. So like there's so much more to just posting something because there's algorithms and marketing behind it. So you have to figure out the algorithms to really make yourself set off and stand out because you won't be posted on the featured page if you're not constant or relevant. So like TikTok, for example, you have to post three times a day and go live after every time you post. And you have to go live some, after you post. Yeah, it's that's how the algorithm works on TikTok. It's stupid, but that's it why these people be live all the time. Exactly, it's how the algorithm works. So you would post like three in a row and then go live. You don't have to post, go live, post, go live, post. Like you post three videos in a row, go live, stay on live for like an hour, get off, close your phone, don't look at it, and then chances are it's gonna blow up. With Instagram, Instagram's algorithm is you have to stay constantly posting, post every day. So it, it recognizes your content. And that could take up to like two, three weeks for it to really catch on to your content and the algorithm will pick up on it. So yo, let's say you have a lot of random shit. Do you want to clear your Instagram and make it like fresh so it can figure out what you is? You want to you wanna pick a niche first, right? So I'm an artist, so I put music is my niche and my Instagram in my bio it says artist my name what I do what's coming out for me and a link to my music it's very clean very easy for people to understand and then post nice looking grids so either you're doing the three in a row or you're posting randomly here you want them all to look very similar so let's say you're using your favorite color is red you want to use a little pop of red in each post so it it complements each other. So visually, it has to look um, like attractive to people. Because if it's not attractive to people, they're just going to go on your page and be like, ah, oh, it's just a regular dude. Next. You know, it has to look... Visuals are so important. People are so, like, dead set on visuals. And, you know, what's also important, too, is, like, people are fucking lazy, right? They won't sit through a whole video. If within five seconds you don't have their attention, you didn't catch it, they're skipping through your video. So you really want to be not only focusing on your image, your look, your branding, and your like your constant like um, mutual looking posts. You want to be attractive to your audience within the first five seconds. So you could start off a video with like, "I just peed myself." And everyone's gonna be like, okay, now I need to know what the fuck's gonna go on. Like, what's he gonna say next, you know? But if you're just like, hey guys, uh, I wrote a song and this is how it goes. They don't care. They're just gonna skip through it. So you have to really like come in hard for the first five seconds to really grasp the audience's attention and then go with it. This is like so much more to this. Like, uh... you know, it's wildly interesting, honestly. I mean, I'm wildly interested. I know this is the shit where artists be like, yo, taking notes and crap because the number of people that be like, okay, you need to have red in all of your pictures. I'm like, say fucking word. I did not know any of that red in all my pictures. Like, I know what you're saying. I mean, I picture the grid as you're saying, like your Instagram homepage, like when they click on your thing. Portfolio, like, right? Ready. <clears throat> And it's like a portfolio so like it's the first thing people see when they see your page they're like okay this is now you have to post in a way where as the things move it still looks good a lot of the times like it won't <laughs> um but when you're posting every day 
doesn't matter. It catches up fast, right? Right. Fair enough. Every couple of days it'll be like off kilter. But then it's wild to think that like you end up having like a day of this thing, a day of that thing, a day of that thing. So it just like lines up perfectly. But that's why you want to use like posts that are very similar. So like if you always use a hint of red post, even if the grid is off, it'll always match each other. Right. Fair enough. Um, do you go live a lot on Instagram? I used to go live a lot during like the lockdown and the curfew. I was always going live. Um, so there's this influencer from Montreal. His name's Mike Lucci. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of him or not, but he's pretty known in the Italian community. He's from like RDP, the East End. And uh, he gets at least like a thousand to two thousand people joining his lives on like a Friday night. And this was during like the curfew and all that stuff. So I was always on his lives. I've gained a lot of traction through him. A lot of people followed me through him. Um, and But he was on every Friday. So I was on every Friday. Or like a Saturday, I would go on on my own. Or like I used to be on live a lot. But then, like, eh, not as much. If I'm at the studio, I'll go live. But not like on my daily, every day. I'm not going to just like be in the car. Hey, guys. So I'm on my lunch break, you know. No, I hear you. I mean, that's a. Do people do that? Do people go live on their lunch breaks? I've just yeah, never seen that before. Everything. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. Okay, I mean, I have some people who go live, but they're always like artists and they're usually not my favorite stream, so I just don't click on them. So I guess, I don't know. That just surprises me, but it, I guess it makes sense at the same time. Um, Yo, at some point you started producing and engineering and stuff, right? What yeah. made you like get into that world? Um, so I started working with a producer and I would watch him use logic and I was like, yo, this is like the easiest thing to catch on to like figure out. Like it's so easy. Like what the hell? You just drag it in or you just hit the keys or whatever. And he was like really cool. He gave me logic and then I started dabbling with it. And he even sent me like some plugins like arcade uh, what else like splice and like a bunch of stuff um and then i just started dabbling in with it so that's how uh, i even produced lies like the video where i directed it i even produced that beat that's cool so, so you basically just said i can do this and started doing it i know at one point you lost your voice and you were going live and asking people to send you music and shit and i'm like that is such a productive use of time yeah i had I had lost my voice. I had caught like uh, something and I couldn't speak. So I was like in bed. I was resting and I was just like, yo, I think I wanted to start um, doing something like on Twitch or like a live stream where I just like listen to people's musics and like I critique it. Um, but then like it didn't fall through because I got better and I was like, okay, back to my regular programming, folks. <laughs> But I was, like, listening to a lot of the people sending in their music. And I was like, oh, this is not bad. This is needs a little work. But I I enjoyed, like, hearing what people are working on. No, it's really cool. So, like, with regards to your own stuff, do you, um, do you have any, like, albums or anything coming? So, for the whole year of 2021, my plan was release a song every month. And I've been doing really good with that up until now. Um... But while I'm releasing a song every month, 
I'm creating songs every two weeks. So every two weeks I have like at least two to three new songs in my vault. Um, so I'm literally posting out the songs that I'm like, they're okay, but they're not like banger material. So everything that's been coming out is like, it's good, but it's not my best. And I'm working in secret on this album, on a album to come out possibly next year, the year after with all the songs that didn't make it within the drops of 2021. Which are, so the drops are the worst songs. So it's like a compliment to the song to not be in the drops, but the ones that don't make the drops make the album. Exactly. So basically like I'm building my catalog on Spotify, Apple Music. I'm building my catalog. I'm giving people something to listen to every month. So I stay relevant and I stay like, oh, look, she posted another song. What is it today? Like, you know, um, and while I'm building my catalog and I'm giving people something to listen to, I'm working on this album with like, it's already like, we already have like a good four to five songs and like they're freaking mental. And like, I get so excited that I want to release them, but I'm like, no, you can't do it. You can't release them individually. They have to come out all together so people could be like, shit, this is an album, you know? No, I think it's cool that you have it like that. Do you find that the releasing tracks monthly to all the platforms has been helpful? I mean, I don't have a lot of monthly listeners. The only thing I would say that I'm benefiting from it is like I'm gaining what an extra $2 every month on my like in my distro kid bank so i'm making a bit more money off my music now than i was before but besides that like it's really just helping me grow my catalog and letting people hear what i'm working on and what i'm doing but i'm not not gaining much from it i'm also like rediscovering my sound as i'm doing it because i've always been like very diverse so I can have like something just full bars or I can have something like singing, rapping, or I can do like reggae and then I can do pop and then I can do hip hop. And then I can... and it's like, it's hard to figure out my exact niche in the music industry because I don't know what my exact niche is. I'm a songwriter before anything. So writing music doesn't have to be one genre or one category. So I could write music for a reggae artist, but I could also write music for a pop artist. And then I'm fortunate enough that I can find my sound working with each of these genres. So I struggle a little figuring out my niche, but releasing these musics, like this, this music every month, it's helping me figure out my niche. That's an interesting way to put it. Um, I guess I don't hear a lot of people talk about looking for their niche within music. Almost like people want to be the best at things or people want to do that. But to like try to like isolate it on a specific market and just triple the fuck down on that does not sound like everybody's goals. What led you to like that kind of thinking? I mean, honestly, I just like love music. So whatever sound I hear that I could write to or get a vibe off of, I'm going to write to it. And it wasn't really a strategy kind of thing of like, oh, I should just focus on one niche or I should focus on all of them. It was just literally how my brain flow works when I hear beats. So it's it was never strategic. It was just who I am. Right. 
Who are some of the people that influence you the most? Like artists. Yeah. Um, I really, really like love Lauren Hill. She was like, she's singer, rapper, songwriter, like goals. Um, there's J. Cole. He's super dope. Like, I love when he like doubles up on his words. Like, he'll be like, oh, fucking no, I can't think of something right now. But like, he doubles up on his words. And I know he does that because I do it sometimes because he does that. Um, who else do I like? I like Ariana Grande. She's a huge influence. Like, her vocal range is crazy. Um, but if I'm throwing it back to when I was a kid and what influenced me would be like JoJo, Christina Aguilera um Whitney Houston like yeah like older artists too younger artists. like I'm all over the place man I'm all over the place nah it's totally dope <clears throat> so as this goes on for you like how do you see the next year playing out for you do you have like a lot of live shows that you're going to be focusing on you're going to be focusing more on an internet version of this um so like with COVID and the mandates it's a little hard to set up live shows i do want to expand myself and by expand myself i mean like move and go somewhere completely different start fresh uh so i do see myself going to atlanta and working out there and meeting people out there marketing out there because i love montreal but like it's hard to blow up here. It's hard to be recognized or get recognition because people don't want to see someone like no one wants to see someone they know do good. It's fucked up. But I feel like if I change city, got a new like vibe, inspiration, energy, I'll start creating even doper music and meet some doper artists and Lord knows where that's going to take me. And I feel like one of the biggest things you have to do as an artist is leave your hometown the very least travel somewhere else and see something else exactly so i see myself within the next year like dipping bouncing from montreal have you otherwise traveled before no um i've been to toronto i went a few weeks ago for the first time and it was such a great experience uh i actually met the people uh through the podcast and they're artists from toronto and they're like you'll come down i'm gonna bring you to my studio so we went down, went to the studio, shot a music video. Um, like I got to like live a full experience of being an artist here, but out there. And honestly, just the feeling of being in a new environment, a new city, a new, it's so inspiring. And it's, it gave me such a, a rush of happiness. So I, I can't wait to leave again because that little bit of, that one little weekend that I was there, like, I was so happy and so in my element. <clears throat> no, I totally appreciate that. Um, yeah, I, I guess a lot of people don't really leave here. Like, ever. And I don't even, I mean, even travel, like, and I, like, like, beyond, like, even Toronto. You know, the first time I went to Toronto, I was, like, what, in my 30s? Maybe 29? Like, it's wild how little we, like, fucking go anywhere as artists. Yeah. It's not good. It's like you need to expand yourself. You need to, you need to grow. You need to go places. You need to travel. It's so important. Outside of Atlanta, where else would you want to visit? I want to definitely hit up LA, New York. Um, 
this is all music wise if i had to go like for leisure it'd be like italy bora bora um but yeah definitely want to hit up new york and la outside of music do you have like other aspirations and shit because you did move into the podcasting sphere which is like a whole i mean it's, it's talking but it's still like you know like a whole different world um I really I really like being a host on the the hustle and it was never like a big aspiration. I wasn't like, hey, I want to be a talk show host or like a podcast host. But when the opportunity arose, I was like, yeah, this is different. Like I could do that. I could host a podcast. I wouldn't mind doing it. And then I did it and I had fun with it and I loved doing it. It wasn't like a an aspiration though. It was just like a moment in time where I was like fuck yeah, I could do this. Um, in my everyday life, I don't really have many different, like my, my whole life is music, honestly, like just runs deep in my bloodstream. Like there's nothing else I want to do. If I could just pay, get paid to like make music, write music and sell it to people, I would do it like with a heartbeat, in a heartbeat. Right. I like how like fucking focused you are on this. I appreciate that a lot. Um, so when it comes down to like, I guess, migrating through the next little era, I imagine it's really just gonna be like, take advantage of what opportunities appear. As I understand Quebec law, you can get hired without vaccinations to be a performer. You just can't go to the show. I think so. Cause I was not required to be vaccinated to do some <laughs> shit in a park the other day. But they had it in the email, like, but if you're finished performing, get the fuck out. Oh, shit. It was, like, dead ass, like, well, not that rude, but, like, it was dead ass because, you know, there's some weird, um, not weird, but there's, like, an employer law where they're not legally allowed to force you to get vaccinated. And that's baked into the performer contracts at shit because now you're an employee independently of whatever thing, so they can't ask you or some shit. I don't know how like hard that's gonna hold up or for how long, but that was the shit that went on when that one time I dealt with it. So I was like, that's a wild thing. But couldn't you like go the private route? Like just low key it? Possibly. Um there's always risks with doing shit low key, right? Just the risk of getting caught and fined and it's not worth the headache. I'm not the t- I, I don't like having to like overthink something or be paranoid about something. Like I'm not going to enjoy myself if I'm paranoid about it, you know? Right. So you're just kind of going to ride the wave and see how it plays out. Ride the fourth wave, apparently. Yeah, stop paying attention to the news for a minute. Yeah. I don't know. It's just happening and I don't have to go anywhere and it doesn't affect me all that much. I mean, it affects me because there's some weird shit here and there. Like I got carted to get eggs and that was like a weird experience not what it was i went to omelet place and then they like effectively card you because you need id right like it's not just Mm -hmm. the passport you have to get carded to get like eggs and i thought that was the strangest experience like i just it was like this like it was really weird and uh that's crazy that's actually crazy not want to live like that to be honest with you yeah no i'm not it's, it's not a thrilling time um the whole live scene is weird 
uh, like I saw somebody throwing some shit. Forty five people max capacity. I'm like shit. I don't want to throw a show. Like I don't want to go through a show. Forty five people. Like that's it. Like it's not worth it. Yeah, it's not my cup of tea. Um, no disrespect to the people that want to do it. It just feels weird. Would you do the digital shit? Fuck yeah, I do the digital shit. But I feel like people don't want to like watch that. I don't know. If that's a hundred percent true. I know at least one dude willing to spend money to watch fucking live streams of pop stars, and you know people be like. But like pop stars, but like local talent, people don't want to watch that. I threw a show over Facebook in 2017 because I was like, fuck that. I can't afford to throw a show. So I'm going to do it like this for my first project that dropped. And my CEO watched it. So yeah, there's a market. It just might not be what people think it is. I don't know. Like, the only time in my life that man ever watched me perform live was on that digital shit I threw. So it got me <laughs> thinking that maybe there are, yo, cause yo, just the antisocial crowd. My whole Twitch thing is here because, like, honestly, there is a group of people that, like, show up and watch people freestyle on my Twitch every Tuesday. It's not a crazy number, but with, like, you know, better marketing and branding, etc. like, yo, there is a market. Plus, it's mad. Mm -hmm. Or, like, the Iowa people. I'm sure there's a bunch of people. And I pick Iowa because it just feels like the middle of nowhere to me. Like, the Iowa people have got to be down to watch some Montreal people do some shit, you know? Yeah, it's sure. like going international without leaving. Yeah, I feel that. You just have to find the right crowd for that. It's, it's hard to build up from like scratch though online. Yep. <clears throat> that is that is that is a big fact. Yeah, honestly, it really comes down to a collaborative effort wins and it's super hard to form the collaborative efforts on that what you were describing earlier phenomenon and it really just kind of comes down to that it's like on the internet people who squat up win that's what youtubers taught me all the the big youtubers have teams like the blog the vlog squad and there's always mm -hmm. like a even like PewDiePie like was connected to a lot of people's and shit you know like it's it's never just been like a, a they ride solo game and that's just it. And it's probably like that in music. I mean, it is like that in music. That's what a label is. You do need a team behind you. You need a solid team behind you. It's like teamwork makes the dream work, right? So. But even like within a team, you need a community to be a part of. That's why I think like it gets really weird. It's like for me, I'm really focused on the community element of it all. Like a team's cool, but like you can't even find your team if there's no community. And I feel like yeah. a lot of people haven't even like, I don't know. I'm trying to build in the parks and whatnot and doing what I'm out there trying to do. But, like, that's what, like, what would you do to foster community? Um, like, what, not necessarily like in, in, like, your perfect world. Like, if you could have it your way. I think, like, what I would do is host a fundraiser. Get everyone to come out. <clears throat> get some, like, barbecue going and you know, people could donate as they please and it goes to a charity and people get to perform at the charity. It's not only you're doing a good thing, but you're getting people's names out there. And, you know, most of the times, like a charity, you can get everything sponsored to you. You get like food sponsored, you can get, so it's like you're bringing the community together. 
People could bring their kids. People could eat. People could have a good time. There's good music playing. You get to network, market. It's like a, a, a fun little fundraiser. And people could even sell their merch. And then when they sell their merch, the prof, a portion of the prof, profits go to the fundraiser. So that's how I would do it. Yeah, that's a wildly really realistic idea. <laughs> like, yeah. really realistic from, like, all the elements of it. Make-A-Wish fucks with rappers. Mm-hmm. That's what I learned. Um, that's cool. Um, how would you do it digitally? Like, would you? how would you leverage social media to foster community? Um, with social media, though, it's like, there always has to be something for them to get out of it. People need to gain something from everything. So, I mean, on social media, I would host, like, like if it's going back to like how I'm gonna get people to come out to this fundraiser, is this what you're like saying, or like how I'm gonna like build up a team, or what, what are you asking? Exactly? Community. I'm fascinated come? by community elements and your ideas on that, but all of it really, however it goes. I mean, like I would still like if I'm working off the idea with the fundraiser, I would put like a giveaway or something like a contest to go with it. So like, come out to the fundraiser, blah 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 blah. If you buy this. <laughs> tickets it'll go into a draw a raffle you could win this 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 give incentives people don't do nothing unless they're getting something out of it so if you give them the chance to win something or you know get free food they're gonna come so you have to give them an incentive it's fucked up but people are like that ah it is what it is everything has to you're competing with like everything especially in a place like Montreal where beyond the independent artistry you're competing with the city of Montreal's tourism efforts which exactly. are like a real threat to independent art for the most part um, yeah who are some of your favorite artists in Montreal right now um there's Jay Duende he's fucking dope um a really dope artist is like uh, MIQ the Burr Boy. Uh, if I can think of females artists that are really dope, um, there's Norma G, uh, Montreal Always. Well, it's just Slim, Gabby. Those are like the ones I, I mainly know. Um, but there's none that like I know all their lyrics to, and like I'll but like I'll definitely like support and vibe to it. It's cool that you can answer that question with like a bunch yeah, of names. Yeah, I know a lot of artists in the city. I'm like, I'm very, um, I'm always sharing people's shit and I'm always showing support. And I remember when I first started doing this music shit again, I was constantly sharing everyone's shit. And I wanted to get an in into the music scene and see how people are doing things. And not only was I genuinely enjoying the music I was discovering, but I was building relationships with people as I was sharing their shit. Because you put, you tag them and they start replying to you and you build a relationship and then they're like, oh, who's Talia? So I'm building relationships with people. I'm sharing their stuff and I'm learning more about the community. Um, so that's why I know a lot of the artists that I just named, but a lot of them, I've literally genuinely like just discovered them on my own through like my own like hashtag lookup or you know someone shared them in their stories i'm like oh who's this you know yeah do you look up a lot of stuff by hashtags 
yeah sometimes depends depends what <laughs> i don't know I, I know it's a thing i know that people do like reverse ha i will look up the hashtag anyway fair enough but um no it's really cool um it's like interesting how like on point you are with this like discovery phase of everything that you're jumping on i mean i try i studied a lot of it too you know like i looked up a lot of this like i wasn't i had no clue what i was doing and then it was just like how do you gain more traction to your instagram how do you get a viral video on tiktok and then you just look up certain things and you type in hashtags on tiktok and people are literally there telling you what you have to do there's youtube accounts of people literally like just sitting down like doing some sort of like podcast setup telling you what you have to do to build your instagram or to build your tiktok or to build your facebook page you just have to find these videos and sit through them they're boring they're really boring you don't want to watch two people talk about these things but you need to if you really want to learn and expand your knowledge to these things that's the, that's the truth of it i mean bro youtube there's a tutorial for everything there was not a tutorial for how to rap on beat on the internet for a minute yeah like like okay let's get it out of the way if you have it you have it if you don't you don't it's like that no that's fine and some people some people have it some people don't and what's unfortunate is sometimes the ones that don't have it think they have it and they go even harder than the ones who do <laughs> yeah yes that's true that isn't literally what i was going for i was talking about latency because i was trying mm -hmm. to google that and i had to figure out how to solve latency issues because of obs and streaming which is slightly oh, different figuring out how to fix that in may in, in early 2020 wasn't as easy as it is now it was it took a while because i didn't know what to google if you don't know what to google googling something is fucking miserable because you're using the wrong Bro, words that it go on youtube how to fix latency i didn't in know OBS. so at first I didn't know what the word latency was. I know all the terms now. That took me three months. I had to okay. learn a lot of shit. I watched a lot of boring OBS tutorials. I learned about clap tests. I learned about a whole bunch of shit. And then I wasn't sure how to route the sound. And then the whole, anyway, it's not, it's not a simple. Sometimes there was not always one thing. You need to find a lot of things to find your solution yeah. to like the one all thing. All little pieces that come together. But yeah, a lot of rappers be very persistent and end up doing a lot of the marketing shit right and sucking at rapping. And a lot of rappers be really good at rapping and that's all they're really good at. Pretty much. Um, yo, is Talia your real name is a question we got. Um, so my real name is Karina Talia. So it's one name with a hyphen. And technically I have two first names. It's either Karina or Talia and in school I don't know why but the hyphen made Talia come first so my teachers would call me Talia Karina but it was always Karina Talia I don't know why they would do that but that's super interesting because I saw the Karina Talia and all of that I was wondering why you ended up with Talia but that makes a lot of sense then and then somebody thought you were Jewish because it's apparently a Jewish name, and then they saw your profile, and it was very Italian, and it clicked. And then it wasn't what? even that. 
yeah no that's i swear i had that conversation because like it came up and i'm like talia they're like she must be jewish and i'm like it's a jewish name i didn't know that but that's crazy talia is literally like italia but without the first eye yeah I, that wasn't apparent to me either at first because I'm not Italian and it's not where my brain goes with it. I, I, <laughs> I, I mean, it makes sense once you see it and then you're like, okay, I got it. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so as far as like the podcasting goes, what has that experience been like for you? Honestly, the podcast is really lit. Um, I've really enjoyed the experience up until now. Uh, there's some episodes where I'm like falling asleep because it's so early in the morning. And like most of the time, like I'm filming that podcast and then I have to go to work. So like I work a full time job then I go to the studio then I have a podcast. So I'm like, I'm tired when it comes to like being up early and my work hours are like really fucked up. Right. I do 11, uh, 3.30 to 11 o'clock at night. So I'm in bed by like three every fucking night. So I don't get much sleep. So to be up early and do the podcast, I'm like, uh, like sometimes I'm completely out of it. Sometimes I'm running on coffee. Uh, but overall, like it's a fun experience. So that's why I still wake up every time to do it because I genuinely love meeting the new people. Like a lot of the times I'm interviewing people I, I, I know nothing about. Like Steve will send me like a quick like bio. Oh, this person does this. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then you just have to think on the fly, like, what do I ask this person? Like, what do I, so it's fun. It's like challenging me to be good at small talk because I was never good at small talk. And, you know, a podcast is pretty much like constant back and forth small talk and like, oh, okay, so what? Oh, okay. So it helped me. It's challenging me. And it's a fun experience. Like I said, like, who doesn't like meeting new people? And like, everyone's always so happy and vibrant and I love it. Yeah, it's definitely cool, and it's a really nice setup. I really like the like the whole studio and vibe of it. Um, when it comes down to working with Tech and Steve, what's that like? Um, I've known Steve for a long time, so I've known Steve for a really long. Time. It was even like back in my day when I was doing those shows when I was seventeen. I had met him around that time. Right. I've known him for a long time we're never like close or anything but like we would see each other at events and he he knew i made music he worked with a demo i was close with the demo um and tech i literally met him through the podcast i didn't know tech before the podcast uh so working with steve just felt like always like i always worked with steve so i already caught a vibe with steve working with tech however um with Steve, it's more professional. And then with tech, it's more like we attack each other, like brother-sibling vibes where it's like, fuck you, no, fuck you, you know? Like, for like five episodes straight, they were tech was like making up rumors about me that I was pregnant when I wasn't pregnant. Um, so it's like, it's a fun vibe, you know? They're really cool and they're fun to work with. You know, tech used to make rap music. Steve used to make rap music. So they like, they tell me about their stories and it's, it's cool. We have like a group chat. We talk on the daily. So it's a good little vibe with them. That's really dope. Um, Ismail wants to know if you have any funny moments from the podcast you can share. Uh, okay. Well, I'm not going to tell you it's a funny moment, but I'm going to tell you it really fucking sucked. Um, so <laughs> 
we went to shoot a podcast. So we do two shows in one day. So we have extra content to put out. Uh, so every podcast episode is around 45 minutes long. And last week, Tech couldn't come in. He wasn't feeling well. So I said, it's okay, cool. We'll do two shows without you. So we got this girl to come in. Uh, I don't remember her name. I feel so bad. But she was an actress. So we spent 45 minutes talking to her, getting to know her, asking amazing the podcast went so well it was such an amazing podcast we were all talking it was good back and forth and then at the end of the podcast we found out that the mics weren't recording any of the audio Mm. so we had someone else waiting to be recorded and we had her who her whole podcast like the whole thing wasn't recording so now we're like, shit, are we really going to like redo this whole thing right now? Do we take the first guy? What do we do? You know, the, the other guy waiting. And he's like, I'm going to ask her if she wants to do it again or if she wants to come back. And I'm like, oh, my God, please, please come back. Like, please come back. I don't want to be stuck here for another two hours because we have to redo 45 minutes with her, another 45 minutes with him. And then the 50 minutes set up between. And uh, yeah, so she decided we were going to redo it. <laughs> Yeah. So we had moments. And it's hard too to redo an interview when you just like asked all the questions because then you're like, did I, what do I ask? I don't like, it's so on the fly and so casual the first time. And then the second time, it feels so like forced and fake. So I was really mad about it. So I was like, fuck, she should just come back and like give us some time to like forget about it so we can just start. But nope, we had to sit through a whole 45 minutes again. (laughs) talking about this things and she was answering things and we're like wow we didn't know that you know like we knew it because we just did it with her and then we had the other guy come on and he was like i think he was on drugs i'm not gonna lie um but that's coming out real soon in about three weeks uh so you'll 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 see it maybe you'll 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 know who i'm talking about but uh yeah that was i'll send you a message (laughs) yeah i'll let you know out because when we finished i was like hey steve i have to go and then i messaged steve like a few hours later i'm like yo what was that guy on like he was on something that's wild um honestly i i could empathize heavily with the recording an entire episode of something and having it not work out it's happened to me with album reviews and then like i was doing it with my girlfriend and my dude and they would be like you're three people in a room you spend 90 minutes or whatever it was and you say all your shit and it's fire and it feels good and real and then you're like oh my god i have to do this again and my free time just got eaten up and i'm not thrilled about that and you have to fake it because people like ismail up in there he'd be watching either way And he was there back then watching those episodes where we would fucking have to fake that shit sometimes. And I'm certain we were terrible at faking it, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, because it doesn't come off as like real or authentic. Like you could tell it's like, ugh, you know, and just like the whole energy and vibe about it's like off now. Because you're like, fuck, man, I don't want to redo this. Um. Yeah, 
I know it feels it's it's rough. I get it. and it's a big lesson, and then it's I guess that's the amateur shit that we do. And I don't mean it like your shit's not professional, but I mean it in the sense that we're like in a, in it factually, without real network support and all those other roles that you don't see when you're watching TV there to make sure that you as the performers don't forget all the shit, you know? Yeah, exactly. But it's uh, it's really cool what you guys are doing with it. I've enjoyed it. I think I have to watch one more, but I pretty much enjoyed all of them that I've seen. I mean, there's somewhere I'm like, this is boring. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. There's somewhere I find like the person we brought on isn't talking loud enough or they're mumbling or they're not like you know they're rambling on so it's like you're like okay and i've been like kind of getting uh like the urge to do something different on the podcast i was like yo we have this huge studio to work with and we're sitting down at a table let's do some like fear pong or let's like let's do something different let's have people come on the show form like so we're we're gonna we've been talking on the low of what we want to do for the podcast. We want to switch it up a little, but uh, they don't like my. <laughs> okay, so what's like a litty version of the podcast for you? What's like a highlight, like the highlight subjects? Um. Well, I mean, when we talk about music, so cause we don't always have artists on that that are musicians. So we bring in like wrestlers. We bring in people that act. Uh, dancers, uh, film videographers. So we bring in any type of hustler, right? But I prefer, preferably like it when it's, you know, artists. Because mm. it's my niche. So I know how to go off on it. I like when producers come on and we could talk about like, you know, engineering things like mixing and all that. Like when they're talking about different softwares they use, like, oh, I use Logic. Oh, okay, I use Fruity Loops or I use, you know, I like talking about that because that's my niche. That's what I know what to talk about. But when an actor comes on, I'm like, so have you met Ryan Reynolds yet? Like, I don't know <laughs> where to go off on it. So music is really my niche. Yeah, I feel that a little bit. There was one actor lady that came on like somewhere like episode 10 or something. And I had nothing to comment in the comment section because I was just like, well, that's informative for about 35 minutes. And I'm like, I watched it. I just didn't know what to say in response to any of it. Imagine you're watching it and you don't know what to say. I'm there and I don't know what to say sometimes. But thank God it's like we're three people hosting the show because like if it was just one-on-one, -on -one, some of these episodes would be so boring. Honestly, I think you would pull it off. Yeah, I would just like figure it out and you would just have a couple moments. Like I'm I'm certain there's there's moments here and there, but like usually you just figure it out and you just each stays and rolls, you know. I mean, if I was in charge of this channel on YouTube, the Hustle Podcast, I wouldn't have gone that route. If I had like the cameras and like the microphones and all the setup that that they got I would have gone a completely different route. I mean, the podcast is like the initial part of it, but I would do like segments, right? So you would have like the tech segment or the Talia segment, the Steve segment. So we all talk about or do something related to our niche, you know, where like the Talia segment is I'm reviewing artists' music, you know, and then there's the tech segment where he's, you know, um, I don't know, radio show host shit. I don't know what he does. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hilarious. radio show. It's and then funny. there's like the 
give segment, like have little episodes other than just podcasting down at a table because it gets repetitive and boring, you know? And I've been trying to like steer them that way. Like, yo, let's bake something for fuck's sake. So let's do an episode where we're baking shit and getting baked. Like, I don't know. Like, let's do something different. Think outside the box. Yeah, we have that's all a whole these- show though. Getting baked that- while baking. Yeah. Me and my girl were thinking about doing that. We want to get it. GoPros. Yo, we want to get GoPros. Get fucking baked. And we're going to call, um, what did we say? Baked. Uh, getting baked while baking. And then. Uh, there was like a slogan. There was the perfect slogan, and I don't remember what we had said. Ah, uh, getting baked while slogan making. <laughs> everything's baked. That was the slogan. Everything's mm, baked. That's pretty good. Yeah, but that yeah. kind of shit's wildly cool. Um, yeah, I have learned. Actually- I've learned a lot about segments recently and how powerful they can be, depending on like I guess what you're going for with it, like especially YouTube. YouTube seems to like a lot of that shit. Yeah, like I've been, I like, I like, I binge watch on YouTube. Okay, so I watch like uh, one channel specifically is called The Cut, and basically, like what they do is they do lineup segments. So they line up people in a room, and they have one person in the middle of the room, and you have to guess. Like for example, whose outfit does this belong to? And then she has to give the outfits to people, or like who's gay, who's not gay. And then she has to guess who's gay. And it's like, um, who's a virgin, who's not a virgin. And they have to guess who's, so it's like segments where they do that. And then they have other segments where they play fear pong. So they play beer pong and they have to like do theirs in between. Or they have other segments where they're sitting at a table and they're taking shots and they're doing like do or drink. And these different segments are good in the sense that like one, you have a lot more to show to your audience but you also have a lot more for them to pick so if you're the type of person that goes on youtube to watch podcasts you're going to want to watch all the podcast segments but if you're the type of person to go on youtube to watch people doing dumb shit with their friends you're going to want to watch the dumb shit with your friends segments so if you have three cameras that you film a podcast with and you have a giant studio with mad room to do whatever your mind could think of why are you going to settle on just doing the podcast all the time why not think outside the box create a different you know category for different people in the audience Mm. yeah that's a lot to think about because the podcast is cool but the variety show elements also cool like as you were saying that My brain's going like, yo, where is the English hip hop Montreal variety show, weird show shit? Like the pie in the face show. Like, what if we did like a segment where we bring on three rappers from Montreal and they have to do like a freestyle battle and whoever sucks gets a pie to the face. Okay, next. It's down to the final two. The other one, pie to the face. Like stupid shit is entertaining that people want to watch. It's this was just a dumb idea on the fly but if we really like took the time sat down we're, we're four heads it's me tech steve and lambros if we sat down and really brainstormed ideas we can like take this to a whole other level Yo, and this sounds con- so nifty as fuck though i mean i could see the conflict of interest in like the potential branding of like 
what they're going for with the hustle podcast all things considered like i really fucks with this show like i am 100 percent this demo that is like yo say word hold on do that but don't also take away what you guys do because i really like that never but the thing is like i feel like this is where our age gap comes into play right Mm. because they're older i'm texting so i'm i get it yeah and like the age gap makes a huge difference because what they're watching compared to what my generation's watching is not the same thing and they're very headstrong on like no talia i don't like that idea no talia i don't like that idea but i'm like bro listen to me i know what's popping off right now i know what people want to watch and it's like the the podcast itself will remain the podcast itself we will always do the podcast that's the main point of the show but hear me out when i say let's try a different segment let's give tech his own segment let's give me my own segment let's give steve his own segment try it out see what's gonna pop off and you're gonna see you're gonna get different numbers per segment because there's a different niche per audience member right so like we all have our niches not everyone wants to watch a podcast but but like you you like to watch podcasts you know i personally do not sit through podcasts i host it i don't watch i don't listen to them i mean i'm biased though and we gotta throw that out there look what i do it's like selfish interest to like a watch Montreal shit and be like, how are other people podcasting? Like, so I don't know if I'm like the fairest person to like even compare against because I don't even watch this shit 100% for fun. I just kind of like it because I find it interesting. Like the Jonathan Emil episode was fucking amazing to me. It was like, oh, say word, that guy is really cool. And I didn't know that. Oh my God. It was that episode I almost cried. There was one episode where I almost cried. I think, oh no, it was with the, what was his name? Jesse, Jane, Jesse Bell or something. Jordan, Jesse, Jordan Bell. Oh my God. I almost cried on that episode. (laughs) So like, I mean, there's a lot of power in the format for storytelling when it's like Liddy, but at the other end of it, I realized like, I think you're right because of what I do right. Like I, I really do a lot of this long form content and it's not lost on me how not litty it is for a lot of people's lives like hell even i'm trying to keep up with two fucking montreal podcasts and i'm dying every week just to watch two episodes that are like an hour long each week so it's like yeah i kind of feel what you're saying i mean i'm fucking around with something else and we're fucking around with some variety show bullshit so like it's like in my mind already to think like in this segment run plus for like tiktok and shit like you could almost like with the studio create like almost tiktok short series is to compliment yeah, we could so much so much but just give me a second i have to answer someone sorry about that so unprofessional um nah this is why twitch is fun it's because it has a vibe and it has like a whole thing and believe it or not like people do like this but i think more people would watch this if what you were proposing existed actually like this the deep dive this the likes and it needs to exist in my opinion but like it also like yo i wouldn't i would take a pie in the face is all i'm saying like i never had the option to take the pie in the face you know and then like the winner gets some free gears free merch you know like and uh there's so many ways we can go around it and like brainstorm ideas and it's like we're not doing it and i'm like yo like we're a team we're a group we're not just one mind behind it we're like 
for like we could do so much with the podcast and we haven't gotten there yet but we're gonna get there we're gonna get there and i'm gonna i'm gonna keep pushing for it because i really think we could do something crazy with the podcast that will you know generate a lot more views than what we're already getting like we're doing pretty good for a startup like yeah, you, you guys are, are doing pretty fucking good i'm not even gonna lie so just already like be, the the podcast alone is doing pretty good but if we started bringing in different elements and segments and like you know people are like oh, okay what's going on here and this is different than what they always do because now people know every wednesday 7 p.m a, a podcast is being uploaded but now if we're like okay every monday at 6 p.m we have a segment coming out now they're like oh shit there's something to watch on monday too what's this you know it's just a grind people's gears a little get them like you know what the fuck what's going on like yeah i I completely i'm with you to be honest i love the way you think about this this is partly why i was super excited to talk to you is because i'm like yo talia up to date on some fucking modern trend shit and like to me that's exciting like i love this shit to me this is highly entertaining as content I know it's not the most marketable content, but it kind of is in the world where a lot of us are bad at it, or at least it's <laughs> not like inherent. Like I have to do some real thinking to get to some shit you're going to find like second nature. And it's like at this phase of my life, it's fucking easy to just admit it, but it took a minute to be a little easier to accept that I'm bad at it now. But like with that, it's like what you're proposing just for the scene. Like I've been trying to figure out how to make people listen to us. Like, there's half a million Anglophones in the fucking general area. That's, like, that's way too many people for the excuses I hear for, like, the scene to not exist, right? Like, forget the obstacles and shit. And then something Merker Miyagi, who was just on your show, Mm -hmm. has been saying to me. Like, we've had basically a back-and-forth DM uh, battle all year where his main point is um, people are boring. And I'm I'm like, that's fair, and I agree but like maybe people could be more like forgiven and help get the ball rolling and he's like nah it's not people's responsibility all artists are like whatever and i'm like what about our peers he's like even your peers people are boring what you're proposing is not very boring to me i'm like as a show i'm not gonna lie i'd be with like a game show of sorts because that shit really was going on in new york like they really did Mm -hmm. have that shit going on in this era that everyone glorifies and efforts like that were happening and things was popping off so it's like if we're really trying to copy that which a lot of them might want to be doing copy it fully with the segment shows which is the thing that was hot in the 90s let's be real i mean i mean the thing that really makes people stand out is authenticity and being raw. So I wouldn't want to like copy what someone else is doing. I'd really want to like sit down, brainstorm, think of something new, something different, something people have not seen yet. Because that's when people are gonna be like, oh, what's this? If you're like, okay, well, we're going to do a rap battle and like um, loser gets $50,000, let's say. Like there's so many shows like that. There's like so many platforms for you to see that little stupid things that's different people don't see every day you know like get like or even take it to a whole other extreme like get rappers to come out and paint (laughs) do something different like okay you guys are gonna do a painting contest or like you know like do like a whole little segment of like at the end of this you win you know free gear free this and it's like they don't know how to fucking draw it's gonna be fucking horrible 
but it's gonna be fucking hilarious to watch, you know? And then you'd find out who can fucking draw too, because you'd have people who can draw, like really can. Yeah, you know, like just <laughs> like we're called the hustle, right? We could even get like all the artists or all the people that we had on the show come out and do uh, games that like fall back on everyone's niche, right? So we had actors come on. We could do one where it's like you guys have to play charades, you know. And like this is not just the actors playing charades; it's the rappers, the videographers, oh, the actors. Oh shit! I'm included in that. I would have to play. Yeah, charades. You're in that, you know, <laughs> you come out, you have to play games or something that is like involved in everyone's hustle in one way. So you get the actors to have to do a freestyle battle. That'd be wild. I'd be highly you know? entertained by this whole. And then you have so many like so many people that end up meeting each other at your event. Yeah, that it's like your brand gets known as a catalyst or something. Yeah, and then everyone's getting everyone's Instagram networking. It's perfect, and it builds a hype around us because everyone that was on our show is back together, and everyone's posting about it at the same time. So it's building such a hype. You're giving Instagram or wherever you're gonna post this uh, another like algorithm because algorithm goes off of like how many people are tagging you on something, how many people are liking your shit, how many people are commenting that can boost the show as well or boost our, our social media profiles or platforms. But no one wants to hear me. No, I want to hear you. This is wildly interesting. I'm like taking notes in my head. I'm like not necessarily going to do all of that, but I'm like I'm going to be highly inspired by all of that because I'm like, yo, what you're describing is like, because I'm out of what do you do next? How do you make – because for me, the issue isn't quality of product. It's traffic acquisition. Where yeah. it's not my strongest suit, I'm not gonna lie. So like hearing you describe all this, I'm like, oh say word, this is some really helpful context that would be like more appealing in a sense, like even like the fucking five second thing with the videos on Instagram and shit, like I don't try fucking hard. <laughs> I really don't. And it's like I should, cause it's like Instagram and it's stupid to act like Instagram is everything else on the fucking internet. You know, and I think like we get comfortable with stuff and it's not fun to adapt to it but everything you're spitting is like really hard facts in my opinion like you've had excellent knowledge nugget after excellent knowledge nugget here you're like marketing game be like a fucking plus yo my marketing game is a plus but i just don't have like the right contacts to get my shit to blow up because like I made my own like press kit and all that shit, and I I I am a visionary, right? I'm very visual, um, and I know all the proper steps to really get a song to blow up. So what you would have to do before a release is like write a press release or a press kit and send it out to blogs and blogs and make them talk about you, because then when you want to send your music to like Spotify um, playlists. When they Google your name, they're going to see, okay, this one's talking about her. This one's talking about her. This one's talking about her. And they're going to see a relevance to your music. And they're going to put you on the playlist. And I know all these marketing details. I just don't know where to find these blogs, where to find these blogs, who to contact, who to get, you know, a hold of. Mm. So it's like, I do all this research on how to make myself expand and grow. I just don't have all the contacts. So... Yeah, I've I've always wanted to like this is like completely off track there. I'm going a whole other route with this, but I've always wanted to build an artist from the ground up. 
I wanted to like find someone with talent, but who doesn't know how to write. And like a singer, for example, let's find a female singer. She's young. She's eight. She just turned 18 or she even younger than that. 16, a 16 year old prodigy. Take over her social medias, get her perfect content, uh, get her in the studio, write songs for her to record, put it out, try finding, still trying to find these blogs and blogs to talk about her. But, you know, build an artist up from the ground up and see how my marketing that I've been using on myself would work for someone else. Because, you know, some people some people will genuinely not share your shit or genuinely show support because it's you just because of who you are yeah <clears throat> big facts there's a lot of people that have more hype than me but aren't even like not to toot my own horn but at my level and the reason for it is because they 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 know a lot of people and a lot of people respect them and they show fake love to their music or their content. Whereas people don't like someone like myself who will speak out and call people out on their bullshit and will be like as real as I am on the gram. I am sh- so vulnerable on my platforms where I, I like I speak my truth. You hear what I have to say. It is what it is. And people don't want to support that or show me love. You know, just because probably because I'm not even vaccinated, I've lost a lot of fucking followers. I I've seen some of your posts and been like, I can see how this is going to enrage some people. But back to it, it's the other hand, my job security isn't threatened by this issue. So I don't suppose that my feelings matter versus your reality is where I resolve myself seeing things like that. I'm like, I have to remember sometimes I'd be in a really privileged position to have opinions when my life isn't impacted by an issue. Whereas in your case, if I'm not mistaken, it's a real issue that affects you in a more direct way. So it's like, even if it's just the act of protest, that's like you're right and shit, no? Yeah. It's, it's just all a fucked up situation, you know? It is. It is wildly. Well, now that I've thought about like... live events and promoting and how I would actually navigate that fucking environment and considering, like, okay, like the reality is if I throw a show, I'd have to how do I vet my unvaxxed and vaxxed people? And the one thing I can say is the artist community, a lot of people I know aren't vaxxed, which is not like, it's not like a pro or a negative. It's just a reality. And I say that like, cause it's weird. It's going to create like some strange ass privilege shit. And it's like, I'm I'm paranoid about that kind of stuff. So I just project some like really eerie shit that's gonna force a lot of people to get vaxxed on some like if you really want it, you have no choice. Like effectively, I needed I knew I had to go to New York like this year. There wasn't a choice. I couldn't afford the two week quarantine period. At the time yeah. that's what it was. So it was like, Well, I'm not rich enough to resist this. I am going to comply and then I just did the shit early, right? Like that's what, like, you know, that's what I hate the most about all of this is that they say it's a choice, but it's not. 
I'm sorry, it is not a choice. It is a ultimatum. If you don't take it, this is what happens. And the thing that has taken the biggest toll on my mental health throughout all of this is seeing the people at my work. Now, look, I am so lucky I am in the position I am where, like, if I don't take the vaccine and I lose my job, I'll be okay. But then there's people at my work who did not want it and they felt like they had no choice. These are people that have years of seniority built up, people that have mortgages, families they need to provide for, cars, student loans. They can't just lose their job or be suspended with no pay. So when they're telling me that they really, really don't want the vaccine, but they have no choice to take it, and you see the looks on their faces and like they, they're they just, it's not a nice feeling. They're eerie, they're, they're uncomfortable. That's what took the biggest toll on my mental health throughout all this. And that's why I've been so vocal and like not afraid to express my opinion because it's not an okay situation. Like it's not okay to make people feel like they need to have this to live their lives. They need to have this to work their jobs. That's not okay. Like, it's an ultimatum. You do not get to get to live your life freely anymore if you don't have this vaccine. And like, I don't even want to go off on the topic of the vaccine. Oh, you know, it. like, I don't even want to go off on it. But it's just like the like. I have to be careful with what I say. I don't want to say like the wrong thing, especially because it's such a political topic. You've been hella delicately like, good so far. <clears throat> It's just like morally incorrect, in my opinion. And it's it's fucking sad. Like it's really sad. And I've seen so many people like cry over this and like see so many people like come to me looking for answers because I've done my own research. Look, I'm not saying my research is correct. I'm not saying I always share real shit. But what I find is what I find. And if I post it because I think it's interesting, I post it because I think it's interesting. Do I fact check it? No, I don't. So it could be wrong. I can admit to that openly. But a good portion of my findings are realistic and make a lot of fucking sense. So when I express these things to the people at my work that didn't want the vaccine, like they they always felt like this sense of like comfortability, like talking to me about it because they know that like I'm looking into things. I'm trying to find solutions. I'm trying to find resolutions. How can we avoid all this? And when they said like October 15th is your last day, if you're not, um, I had like this one coworker, his name's Mike, and he was so against it, like so against it. And I remember him coming up to me and he's like, what do we do? Like, we're going to lose, I'm going to lose my job. And I'm like, Mike, like this is the first time you come up to me and I literally have like nothing, no answer to give you. I don't know what to tell you. I really don't. There's nothing we could do. And like his face was so like, he looked like he was about to cry. He was getting all red and like, eventually he had to give in and get the fucking vaccine yeah like it's kind of what it is like i don't hear a lot of people describe this stuff so like hearing your perspective it's not even about if i agree with you or not it's still like a reality that a lot of people face that i don't think a lot of people in my work from home life think about right like yeah so i think it's super valid perspectives i like your candidness about your lack of research or whatever like that's really cool yeah. the way you present it there's so much false information on the internet like 
some of what I'm sharing could be true and some of it could be false and just how it goes vice versa. The problem with this is that you can find information to back up both sides of the argument. Yeah, it's like one of those situations. I do a lot of stuff in my life that has me looking at stats and data. So I just think a lot about stats and if the stats make sense to me when I hear stuff. So I came to my own conclusions where I'm like, I'm more likely to die from a lot of other things than this vaccination. And pragmatically, this makes the sense to me. Because like, I don't know, nominally numbers look away, percentage-wise numbers look a mad different way. And so I like to run the percentages. Like sometimes I'll see some shit, like if X number of people feel this way, how do you feel? And then I Google the total population of that profession and I like, yo, if that many percentage of people felt that way, but anything often the answer is, well, more people hate me than that in life. So I'm pretty sure like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care yeah. that much. Um, so it's like, I, I, but also like, I understand it. Like how many people sat there and looked at Google Analytics Academy shit for work? And you got kind of like incentivized to go do that. I'm sure most people ain't be sitting there learning that because they're supposed like, cause it's your job. Like it's not everyone's job kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And I think sometimes people get like mad unaware of like the, the data literacy rates of people. And then like you look at the media, right. And it's completely fair to be like the media spins everything with language and then people watch a lot of charismatic people spin stories half these youtube videos are very charming people saying whatever whatever it's like it's super it's super weird honestly it's a double-edged sword honestly it's like there's no there's no meeting point there's no ah, it's fucked up and it's been a it's been a honestly complicated time especially like and it's like it's it's unfortunate that it's a topic it just kind of is like the future of music you think about it and you're like i don't know i don't know what the fuck happens next actually uh internet maybe and then you're like i don't know it gets weird but yeah. i'll have to say your marketing mind is still really ridiculous um and your ability to pull things off is super impressive too and your ideas are like really next level like you got some shit going for you. Thanks, man. <laughs> and your music's good. I mean, I, it's, I, I, <laughs> nah, it's pretty, it's pretty solid. It's versatile. I mean, I feel like I get where you're coming from with music, and it's cool. Like you really have like a voice, and I like that, like a, an energy to it that's cohere, co cohesive, whatever it sticks across your shit. Not the right word. Anyhow, all I have to say is it's cool. It's been cool to talk to you. I'm not a thousand percent sure what else to still ask you. I feel like <laughs> at this point, like you've really expressed a lot of who you are. And yo, you definitely have some fucking ridiculously interesting ideas and your brain is like a gold fucking mind for real. Like anybody gets to talk to you about marketing, if they're listening to this, they should pay attention. Even <sighs> if it's not on that brand, spinoffs spinoffs like it's so easy it doesn't have to be the same name you know just say a little something to steve you know give me a little well, <laughs> i don't know i mean i, I barely know him. i barely know the guy I interviewed him <laughs> november of last i interviewed him about 11 months ago i was like you're making a movie and people i know are in it 
let's talk. <laughs> and then I met Tech Luciano like once in real life prior to the time I met him in real life again at the Hustle podcast taping. I've seen him in real life twice. So it's like, you know, I don't really know them. <laughs> I just, you know, I'm, I'm happy to message Tech about shit. Yeah, it's probably like mutual and stuff. Well, but, anyway, I have to head no, out. For sure. Coming to pick me up. I really, really enjoyed being on here. Thank you for having me on. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Yeah, for sure. Um, appreciate yeah. appreciate you coming through. All your links and shit are going to be in the description so people can go follow that. Um, and make sure and appreciate all of you who stuck around and watched it in the live honestly it's really great when people do that and interact a bit uh thank you all for watching it in the future make sure to like like subscribe comment all that good youtube and etc shit um it was super great to have you here talia appreciate you a lot and yo live long and prosper everybody out there respect Thank you.